everybody, I'm Jody Marks, and welcome to Breaking It Down with Jody Marks, brought to you by P3 Theater Company, where every week I sit down and talk with a new group of panelists who not only help educate us all, but also help give the Black community a voice on topics and conversations that should have happened a long time ago. You can also watch the show live by going to P3 Theater Company's Facebook Live every Wednesday at 6.30 Pacific Time, where if you have a question on the week's topic, we'll be happy to answer it. Now sit back, listen, and learn, because we're about to break it down. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Breaking It Down with Jody Marks. This is episode seven. Um, our topic for the day is being an ally for the Black community, and we have two amazing allies with us today. We have Alden Betancourt and then Alexander Huntley. So the first question I'm going to ask them, I'm going to get right into it, is tell us, everybody, about yourself and what being an ally for the Black community means to you. So Alden, you go first. Hi, my name's Alden Bencourt, as Jody said. Uh, we met doing P3's inaugural production of Avita, and I'm so thankful that she invited me here today. Um, I think being an ally for the Black community, the Black Indigenous people, color community altogether, it is taking those steps to go inside yourself, analyze the biases, and the ways you were raised and seriously question the world around you and the world that you think you live in and then approach it from a different angle to better help your friends. Mm -hmm. Alex? Hi, I'm Alexander. Um, I'm from uh, Johannesburg, South Africa, um, born and raised. And then I moved to America when I was 15 um, where I met Jody. And um, so we're friends from college, you know, since day one, she's my day one friend. Um, anyway, so what it means to be an ally for the Black community is sort of acknowledging and recognizing your privilege and using that privilege to speak up and support and like fight for equality and uh, fair treatment for the Black community and their rights. I love that. So what is the difference between performative allyship and then genuine allyship? Um, oh, okay, I'll start. So, <laughs> um, so performative allyship is something that <clears throat> I feel like isn't, well, in all honesty, I learned like the specific term kind of recently, and it's sort of the type of, it's not really real allyship. It's really kind of just, um, you are putting out like a, like a fake Thing because you feel bad and you're like, oh, I need to show people that I support the movement, but you're not doing anything further than that to support. So it's, it's, it goes back to the people who just posted the black square on Instagram and said Blackout Tuesday and then didn't do anything else further than that. No petitions were signed. They're, that's where the extent of the activism was. And then it was a trendy thing for them. And then from then on, you know, it's, they've forgotten or moved past and haven't, you know, like, continue to be an ally said anything right. right like performative is very like i posted because it was the topic of the week it was the it trend was it was the, yeah it was the hashtag and i want to i want to be like i want to follow suit and have that aesthetic that like i am supporting you guys you know like oh i have that one black friend so i'm gonna like throw this out there so they see that i said something but then not doing anything you know further than right. that all for show Right, for sure. I, I can't even imagine. I, I, I've seen so many of those black squares mm -hmm. and then nothing else from people. Right. And it's exactly. not just 
like, you know, from allies, it's people of color as well. Mm-hmm. So it goes both ways. Right. Um, but about genuine allyship, do you have anything to say about that? Oh, yes. uh, <laughs> oh you go, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> oh, I, I think genuine allyship is understanding that in the world we live in, in the times and the topics that we are now being presented, where things can hit Twitter within, you know, two to five seconds of a video upload from a protest, from a demonstration, from anything, it is no longer okay to be passively against racism, but to have to be actively anti-racist in your life. And like I said, it's unpacking a lot of your own biases, a lot of your own raising, a lot of the information that you were taught in a westernized system of education and having to take that and seriously question everything you've been presented and then work against the things that oppress people of color in America. Right. How I take genuine allyship is really you are posting and keep posting if that's what you like to do. You know, you're speaking out, you're using your platform as a place to amplify Black voices, not just only amplify your own. Um, Also learning and educating yourself and also others, you know, calling people out when they Mm -hmm. say something that is just blatantly wrong. And being okay to be called out yourself. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, you can't stay silent. Like, how do you feel about people staying silent? Like, why is that such a big problem? Yeah, so um, I was about to touch on the being silent part of it because um, when, you know, you don't have anything to say, you are siding with the oppressor. So if you're neutral, then you are siding with mm-hmm. the oppressor. And it's important, and, and going back to when you said, like, using your platform and using your voice, I've heard... A lot of people say like, oh, I don't even have that big of a platform. I don't even have that many people who follow me. Like, you know, it doesn't matter what I say, but like the fact that you have any platform or a voice whatsoever, then it is, you know, like, then you have that to use to speak up to, to help and um, things like that. So like, it doesn't matter if you have 10,000 followers or like 500, you know, it is, you have to speak up, otherwise then you are not with the movement. You're like against it. Yes. I 100% agree talking about platform. It's by quite literally being white or being white passing that gives you a platform to reach other white people and other white passing people because they will listen to you. You are there to carry a message against racism on behalf of the black community who is going to get who's going to be suppressed and further pushed away in the narrative and written off as angry and written off as angry mobs rioters looters it is your job as the white person in the room as the white person at the rally as the white person in this video call to say other to other white people that's mm-hmm. not how it is well i like what you said when you you know like in giving the black people um like a voice where they can't really be because there are rooms that you can get in where I can't get, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like there are places where you will be heard. And if I tried, I'd be shut down. And I think that's also a big part of being an ally is knowing that you have that voice and that privilege to have your voice, like just amplify it, you know, right. don't just sit back and be like, Oh, I could have done that that day. Right. You yeah, know what I mean? yeah, definitely. And it goes back to when I said earlier, like, 
for my definition of being an ally is recognizing your privilege and using your privilege to, um, you know, like aid the movement because it's like, um, the thing is the fight for equality for the black community and um, for the rights of the black community have, it's been a thing like throughout history, like it has, and, and you know, it like the, the black community have spoken up, they have voiced and fought and, you know, and, and things haven't, I mean, things, small things have changed, but it's like, we're still on this journey. Enough. It's not, and the, the reason is because the, the oppressors are not going to listen to the black voices. And then, so that's when the responsibility falls on non-black people of, um, you know, the, or the people who will be listened to by like the people in power. And then like that way you are yeah, listening and learning and then amplifying black voices and you're carrying their message to the forefront of the people who can change things. It's, mm -hmm. they're the ones that will listen to non-black people. You know what I mean? I totally, totally, totally all of that second it amplify that itself. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I think one of the great, one of the greatest things I have, heard um concerning anti-racist work and being an ally uh comes from she's an instagram creator her name is sophia rowe yes. um she's a private chef as well as she does a lot of uh, critical thinking sessions and almost like therapeutic sessions for people of color and the black community and she's given so many wonderful uh, talks she goes instagram live i think twice a day for two hours a day just to discuss different anti-racist topics but one of the biggest things she has said that is like resonated with me is anti-racism has to be unprovoked, unprovoked and fully tied to your integrity when there are no black people in the room. They are counting on you to be an ally and speak for them when there's no one in the room and you have no one to try and be the champion for, no one to try and be the white savior for, it, it is your job. And you have to realize that that comes with running a risk where people might come at you they might write you off as crazy, but you have to take that risk because they aren't in the room. You have to. That's the thing though. Like when people say, oh, I don't want them to like think of me a certain way or like, you know, like come at me. And I'm just like, why would you want those people in your life anyway? Exactly. I'm just speaking, speak facts. I don't know. Just why, why would you want to surround your people with how how the way they think if they're thinking negative if they're thinking badly about other people i'm sorry but that's just not things or anybody i'd want to surround myself with mm -hmm. so their opinion would it matter and like yes i see where if it's like a family setting and you go my family is very you know n just not woke <laughs> just mm -hmm. you know then i could see where it could be like but that's also a way to educate you know exactly take the it's time yeah and under there's a go ahead <laughs> oh no okay um but like with the family thing because um like it's 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 an interesting i feel like certain people might feel hesitant to speak out because it's sort of like you or like we grow up wanting the approval of our parents and things like that and then you know when you um grow up and you you educate yourself and you're like oh my parents are not correct you know or they are like just you they're racist and so then I just think that in that situation sure it's your parents and you want their approval 
but it's also like you said earlier it's in your it's in your integrity and like your moral standing to educate and it doesn't even have to be like you know like some people i can you know you can call out your parents you know and like just be totally honest but it's also like certain things you can there are ways that you can address racism sort of like perhaps like um, you know, like if you have family movie night, this is just like an idea that I came up with. Like if you're having family movie night, like pick something that is like educational and then have that conversation where it doesn't have to be like, you're wrong. Like you, you know, um, but it's sort of like having that representation to them so they can see from a different perspective. There are different ways to address like racist family members. You know what I mean? Yes, there are. And, and on, in working with your family, it's not like, it's not like your family is someone that you can block on Instagram or Twitter after you have one bad negative interaction and there's just no change. It is all about pacing and you have to understand that like you, you can burn out yourself and burn out your parents and that it's not all going to be done in one day. I know, and forgive me if either of them are on here, but uh, not to date you or anything, but both of my parents lived through the civil rights movement. And my mom's mom immigrated from Spain through Cuba and lived in the apartheid South in Florida or in apartheid South after coming through Florida, long story, but it holds a lot of emotional weight to have to talk about these issues and these things. And I told them so many times, I'm like, you get so much of this already because you've seen it before. You understand what is right, what is wrong, but Racism just didn't disappear with the civil rights movement. It evolved and it got more tricky and it got more ingrained in society in different ways and in different facets. And for everything I'm learning, I also have to teach them or discuss with them and we have to digest it together. And that's yeah. a lot, but you can't just give up after one heated argument, after one fight, because that's your family. You're not going to just click, you can't click and delete them like there's someone on social media it is definitely something that requires pacing right and i how i how i view it is racism is still alive like it didn't end you know like when they were marching and all this stuff when our grandparents were alive so you can't expect your family to get it in a one conversation mm -hmm. you know there's I, so many topics that you need to talk about so they could take so many like you know it's going to be an your life it's honestly like the black community we talk like we have to talk about these things and it's been something you live with and i think being an ally is when you really see like oh these conversations were normal for us like the black community and now we have to have these conversations within our own selves in our own you know communities and it's a little eye-opening hearing stories that people have had these conversations. Cause I'm like, you've had that conversation. I'm so happy, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And it's, it's really hard, especially in Westernized society. We have an instant gratification complex, especially because we live in the age of technology being what it is, but with anti-racism and being an ally that work, another thing from Sophia Rose, she just said, there's no such thing as a, anti-racist uh, racism is over exam you can't cram for it like the sats or whatever your entrance exam in college is you can't mm -hmm. cram for being anti-racist it is a constant strengthening of a muscle both intellectually and emotionally to have to deal with 
because you realize you are committing to this being the rest of your life and even beyond how long you live. Because mm -hmm. you have to teach the next generation to keep the mm -hmm. fight going. You know, don't just burn out. That's one thing that oh, you've seen history like time and time again, where the black community, we get going, but then it's like, we can't do it all on our own. Mm -hmm. And then everybody else just stops and then it just Lingers dies away. away. And then everybody just goes back to normal. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing that I think we all need to realize within ourselves that you need to do better. You need to keep educating yourself. First of all, I'm gonna say right now, black people, we're not the ones to educate you. Go educate yourself. Mm -hmm. Okay, if I, I don't know how many people have asked me to educate them. I'd be like, what do you think? I'm like, did you look first? Or are you just coming to me because you think that I'm black, I can answer it. Right. You know what I mean? There's a fine line. I'm just like, cause if we're really gonna have a conversation, I'll have a conversation with you but I want you to have a conversation with me and already know some facts. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. I want you to take the time out of your day and, you know, use your own time. Cause right, like people keep saying, donate, donate, but it's not just donating money, like donate your time to the movement, mm -hmm. to educate yourself. Yes. There's also a layer, there's a level of consent that even comes to having these conversations anymore. Because if we're gonna talk about systemic racism, and how your experience as a black person living in the United States of America has been, that has trauma laid into it. And therefore you have to have consent with people when you discuss these things, because you never know what, what certain subtopics, what yeah. certain words, what certain mm -hmm. ideas are gonna be triggering for people. And at that point you're causing more harm than you are good. Yes, and honestly, if you're trying to have a real conversation, don't be afraid to be called out yeah you know what i mean like if you're coming and you want to have a real conversation like have a conversation with the person yeah. you're talking to don't and if they say hey no that's not the right way or the right term blah blah, blah. don't be like oh i don't eh. like then you're then you're just making it worse because then you're making like us feel like okay then why did you ask like you don't even want to mm -hmm. learn like what's the well point? the movement the movement isn't about white people and their egos and their white fragility that's the central that the center of this narrative we have to understand that it is not white people and white passing people it is not our narrative it is not our it is not our core of what we're doing we we rotate around other people that are at the core of it and we have to respect that and we can't be upset that we are on the outside of that mm-hmm and don't say what you think the black community wants to hear mm -hmm. that too. Like I've, I've definitely seen like, or even the last episode, how um, our last panelist, Greg said how people are nicer to him. You know, mm -hmm. it's kind of one of those things. It's like, I feel like that was when you're like a fake ally. Like I have to, yeah. like, it, yeah, it's sort of that, like, um, I need to show it's more about like serving yourself rather than serving the movement is when people, like um, try to make it more about themselves. And like I was thinking earlier about sort of during the protests and things like that, the riot is that we're kind of distracting from the issue because they wanted to live out their like riot fantasy and like go out and like sort of, and then it wasn't about the movement anymore. It was about them, you know? And it's sort of like 
and those people who like on on their social media when they were like oh my they were like I'm going to like do you want to go to a protest today and she was like yeah let me like find my best riot outfit like it's not about you and it's not about being like seen as that like cool ally you know yes I could talk for days like (laughs) When, especially seeing the riots and seeing people spray painting businesses and they were not black, they were not of the black community. You know what I mean? And the, and I'm like, how are you putting Black Lives Matter, BLM on something that we did not ask you to? Mm-hmm. And we did not ask you to vandalize things. We did not ask you to go steal something, you know what I mean? We, this is not, that's taking away from the movement. Mm -hmm. You are not being an ally, you're being distracting. You are, you're you're literally ruining the movement because you're like, now the news is so focused on Uh, all the negative. Yes, on all the negative. And and then they're not looking at all the good that the protesters are actually doing, the ones that are actually Mm -hmm. there to actually protest, right? Like you have, you just have those people that just want to do it just to, just to get in there and weasel their right. way. And, and then it pins the like negative behavior on the black people because yeah. then it's like, then people on the media, they're like, oh, they're trashing things, they're stealing. And, and then it's just, yeah. So it's that performative allyship when it's serving yourself that can be hurtful to the movement and the black community. Because right. then at the end of the day, the media is always going to look for the negative you know, what event and, and pin it on the black people or the movement, you know, and be like, they did this and it wasn't them. Right. And it's also like, why is the movement just towards like the black community? Like, I know we are pushing for, you know, the black community and equal rights and everything, you know, with police brutality and everything like that, but why can't every, it be a movement for everybody? You know what I mean? Like if something happens, why is it the black community did this? What, you know what I mean? Like, why is it pinned? Like, why does the news create such a stereotypical, like, view and make, and then also, I feel like they don't let people think for themselves. So when this was first happening, a lot of people who were saying, I'm an ally, were giving false facts. And I'm like, no, no, like, educate yourself. So yeah. I want to know, how are you guys educating yourself? What are some things that you're doing and maybe other people can follow? So um, it's a great time right now because we're on social media. We're all, we all have Instagram and Twitter and things like that. It is so easy to Google, you know, like even if it's as basic as like, help me find um, like Instagram pages for Black Lives Matter, you know, stuff like that. They'll give you lists, articles, things like that. And, and also, you know, I'm lucky enough to have so many like people in my Instagram circle who are constantly sharing information and uh, petitions and things like that. And it's so easy to like click on their post, find where it's from. Most of these pages are dedicated to information and educational things, follow the pages or yeah, actively seek out, you know, things like that. It's, it's just so, it's so easy that it's not an excuse to not educate yourself right now. Mm -hmm. I absolutely same thing, curating, curating a feed and a following of people that are black creators or people who are working with the Black Lives Matter movement is a great way to get started because I'm being, I've been exposed to so many more amazing artists, creators, writers, 
just amazing people that way. But another way to do it, and this again kind of goes back into what I first said about what does it mean to be an ally is understanding, you know, where you sit, where's your part. Uh, there's that old phrase, um, think globally, act locally. And you have to really analyze, okay, where do I, what is my lane? How do I do my, how do I reach my communities I already exist in with my anti-racist work? Mm -hmm. um, so I've seen some really amazing things from people who work in environmental conservationism and how that is actually like a huge topic for like, is, is conservationism and like green movements, are they racist? And surprisingly, yes, a lot of them are because it has to deal with like food deserts and shortages and how certain communities are hurt by food banks that don't get supplied enough and because of the redlining and those different things and how people who are already interested in those things can further their anti-racist work because they were already interested. And for us, or at least for me, like in theater and in artistry, now I'm able to like, okay, I already knew a little bit about these things, but how can I further different causes and different groups that need my help? And I'm already established in those communities and those groups, and how can I help? So both of you are artists, right? So how do you think you can be an ally for the Black community in your craft? So um, I think it's, it goes back to the fact that, you know, we have a voice and we have a platform or things like that. And um, yeah, so it's like kind of like, you know, how you can, your art is also your voice. There are ways that there are people digest things differently, like certain people. And this was something that you guys talked about on one of your previous episodes where certain people digest things differently. And it's like, a message is better understood maybe in a song or like in a movie or things like that. And, um, and it's sort of just like creating different outlets and different ways to make it more digestible for the other non-Black people who might have issues with just being like called out on or like, you know what I mean? It's just, it's giving you um, different ways. And so it's sort of like creating art that services um, or that like isn't sort of very like Eurocentric focused and like mm -hmm. serving, you know, white people or whatever. So it's just, yeah, creating stories and art that is inclusive. Or supporting. Supporting that too. And yeah, like, yeah. Uh, like as an artist, but also as an art consumer, you yeah. know, like supporting black businesses or, and black artists and like watching movies made by black people things like that. And that, again, it's something you could just Google if you don't know any, like look it up. And there are some good, okay, movies. Mm -hmm. There's some good yes. literature out there. Yes. Y'all, that's another episode, I promise. Oh, right, yeah, <laughs> but, exactly. Uh, and then recommending those pieces to your friends, being like, I saw this great movie. I heard this amazing song, sharing it on your story and things like that. It's all about sharing and like like when you said amplifying black voices there's black art out there that is just not, like underrecognized use put it out there like yes. for your your circle yeah and with alden you're more in the theater so how does how can we amplify um and be an ally in the theater absolutely um prefacing before i like kind of dive into this i spoke to some great friends of mine who i went through my theater program with at Pepperdine University. Um, so I just wanted to give a thank you to Caitlin O'Grady, Paige Elson and Corbin Ford, who I reached out to and talked to. I'm like, what do you want? What 
if you could, what do you wish more allies knew? How do you wish they would act in the arts? And one thing that came across that we've already talked about is not only amplifying black voices, but elevating them and giving them credit. And one of the greatest things I, my friend Caitlin said, she's like, here's a great example. And there is a 2016 article on Jezebel.com talking about um, Obama's senior staffers and how three quarters of them were men and a quarter of them were women. And the women felt like they had a hard time always getting, first of all, getting their ideas in with the discussions and the briefings every day, but also getting the due credit and due process that they needed for those things to actually come up and be accredited to them. So the idea was by every woman in the group repeating what the last woman had said and saying, well, because person A gave this idea and I really appreciate that. And the next person would be like, yes, resounding what person A said. It's the same thing when working in different specialized groups of black people, white people, and other black indigenous people of color is you have to say, well, I really liked your idea, Jody. Oh yeah, going back to Jody's idea, mm -hmm. you have to elevate those voices because if you are in the minority, it will just get lost in the shuffle. Psychologically, we will just forget. It'll just get lost in the shuffle. And then, I mean, for theatrical in general, another thing that came across was it has a lot to do with season programming because now what we're gonna start seeing is uh, a lot of programming of ragtime mm. and a lot of programming of Porgy and Bess I, and a lot of ragtime. <laughs> yeah, and, right. and, and those stories, <laughs> while they do, they do include more roles for black people, you have to question, is that a black narrative? Because ragtime is all about a white savior. Mm -hmm. Literally. And no black yes. people have agency in that show. Like all the lead black characters die in that show and it's not a positive piece. It's powerful, but it's not necessarily positive and sending an anti-racist message. I've um, had that thought so many times when thinking about ragtime because you're, you're right though. It's always like, oh, the white woman saved her. And then yeah. it was like, and she was a criminal. You know what I mean? Like I was like. And, and no, none of your leading black players live to the end of the show. No. They no. don't. And it's 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 powerful, but it's not it's not I don't I don't want to say it's not uplifting. It's just it's a sad narrative that doesn't need to be perpetuated because we're already seeing it in the media. Yeah. I do think though that ragtime does shed a light. Like it, it is a very powerful statement. And I feel like the reason why I I want to do ragtime is because it has that narrative though, right? Like it makes you think that. Like why Why are all the black people dying? Hmm? Why yeah. did they make them criminals? Why does everybody, you know, or even the immigrants in the thing, why are the immigrants put, like, you know, portrayed this way? Like it makes you think also, like it's, you know what I mean? I feel like that's the reason why I'm like, okay, I, I will do this show because it's also making you think and realize, be like, you know that, that's not my friend. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I totally but get you have to saying. You have to have this preface of being like, this story, while powerful, it does, it's you know, still, you have to put out to your audience. Yeah. They can't just passively consume it. And then uh, another thing, but straying more, going into modern programming of shows, you really need to ask the question like, 
is this show like dependent on programming black people or black indigenous people of color into this show? Mm-hmm. If it's if it if it's a fantasy story, if it's into the woods, Cinderella, any of those stories where it's like it's a farce, it lives in a fantasy realm, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You can have a family of different people and different races and different gender identities and colors. And it's okay because that would reflect reflect reality. Mm-hmm. And happened. Mm-hmm. yeah. And then finally, another point my fr- my friend Paige raised that was just like such a good hard hitting thing was you can program like exclusive shows too that do deal with black people and black culture and white people can still get a lot out of it. Mm-hmm. it they won't exclude them or ostracize them because at the end of the day, theater and art reflects humanity. It's just humanity. There's so many stories. There might be nuance and cultural aspects that you know might go over some people's heads, but at the end of the day, it is it is watching the human experience, and there's nothing like that. And how lucky we would be getting, how lucky some people would get to be if they would be like, I see myself in that, and then it humanizes it. Yes, exactly. I have some questions um, on our Facebook Live that I oh, want to hit before. <laughs> I, I lose them. Um, <laughs> so from what it says, where is the line between being complicit and being silent because you're simply learning? Oh. Uh, it's again, it's the it's the ego sacrifice. It's saying, I I'm hearing, I'm learning. Mm-hmm. And then you have to state where you are in that learning up into that point. Be like, you know. I really want to have this conversation. I don't have enough knowledge or information yet, but know that I want to have this conversation. Yeah. Touching Mm -hmm. on that, um, I feel like also a lot of times, you know, certain people are discouraged from saying things because they feel like they're going to say something wrong or they're, they're, you know what I mean? It's kind of like, oh no, I don't have all my facts straight. We're all learning constantly. It's a, like you said, it's a lifelong journey. You know, we're all, things are going to evolve and change and we're still learning unlearning things. And so we're never going to have it perfect. We're never going to know everything. So it's just sort of the intent and action of just at least acknowledging that there is something that is needed to be said and you know like even if you say it wrong it shows there's still that sort of like you are bringing the conversation up and you are sort of like still yeah having that conversation and bringing those topics up right and I think Mm -hmm. you have said that really well because you know there's 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 a difference you know I mean if you're being complicit you're not even trying right like you because you could still be silent and but you can I don't know I don't really want to say silent because if you're you're crying you're still you're still active listening Mm -hmm. or even voicing or asking questions I guess I should say you know Mm. what I mean because being silent you're not asking anything you're not asking for clarification you're not asking for just to learn more in depth of maybe a term you didn't know you're just nothing just dead silent but if you were to ask questions i'd be like oh okay you might be like silent on the topic because you're taking in all the information but you have questions and i think that's the difference yeah you're engaging still in the conversation whether because like yeah like 
even in regular conversations in life, like you're, you, sometimes you won't have a lot to say, but you're, you're like soaking it in. You're present and, and yeah, questions. Great. As long as you're present, be present. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. So we have another question. So what are some ways you've called out your families for being racist or insensitive or friends? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's interesting with my, okay, with my family, because I have had a little, you know, some like things that we've had to discuss. My dad is from South Africa. He, um, he was in the, he was protesting apartheid, you know, he was kind of, he's, and, and I would say that like my dad is a great ally. He's always educating himself and things like that. Great, you know, and my mom, so my mom's from China and, um, it's, it's interesting because I feel like there are certain things with my mom where like, yes, I'm like, yeah, good for you for saying that. But then there are certain like, it's the microaggressions or like the small things where it's like, you, you like, she'll say something and you're like, wait, that, that doesn't sound right. Or like, that sounds a little, that sounds like backhanded. And it's, and it's those things that, um, you know, it's, it's just something that you bring up and you're like, oh, hey mom, I don't think that, um, you know, or that word isn't appropriate anymore or not even anymore, just it's not appropriate. (laughs) Or like, um, or that thought is like, you know, it's old, you know, it's maybe what she grew up on. But, and that's the thing when people are like, oh, I grew up in a different period and things like that. And I'm just like, okay, but you're in 2020 right now. So and you you have a mind that functions you can learn and unlearn so it's it's yeah it's those little things and then with friends it's kind of the biggest thing that I come across is hearing non-black people using the n-word and speaking up about that and being like that's not your word don't use that and so it's just like because some people will let it pass like they'll just like they'll hear it and they're just like "Ah," and pretend like they didn't say it but it's like you need to bring it up you have to say that's not your word you know or whatever racist remark or action it is i'm gonna say this one time okay Mm -hmm. listen if you are not black and sometimes even if you are black don't use the n-word you know the n-word to black people was a way of reclaiming that word and using it as like it, it wasn't, they've used it instead of basically, you know, using it as a derogatory term to themselves. Could be the ER? Mm-mm, no. Mm. Okay. But I hear this all the time. A black person gave me permission. Oh. I don't care. Yeah. Well, this, this. You're and, not around that person, are you? You're around me. Did I give you permission? Everyone's well, not. and that implies that the one black friend that you have, the one black person that you have consulted on any topic, whether it be, am I allowed to use the N word? Am I allowed to wear box braids? Can I have a silk do rag? What about anything? Not one person is the monolith for the entirety of the black mm-hmm. indigenous people of color community. Not one person. When I reached out to my friends, I said, I understand that you aren't the monolith for all of these things, but I value our relationship. And because I respect you, I want your opinion and want to elevate that. But there are things that like, you should just accept about the entirety of it. Even if you have permission, you should understand in your mind, like, hmm, I wonder why that would be offensive to other people. Mm -hmm. And for me, my view on the N-word personally is no one should use it. 
not even black people. I, I know I might get some backlash from my black people, but I don't think anybody should use it. And this was engraved in me from a young age. You know, my papa, Fon War, like he he says that word is just so to him every single time he heard it, right? Was just derogatory and just used as such a hateful word that hearing it even in I guess the connotation where we took it back is still hurtful, you know, like, so it's like, you shouldn't even say that you should not even call your own brothers and sisters that you should make another word, you know, call yourself powerful, call yourself beautiful, you know, or be like, that's my brother. That's my sister. Why do we got to say that's my, you know? Yeah. So to me personally, don't think anyone should use it. Other people in the black community, I know will say we reclaim that word and that's for us. It's honestly who you're talking to, but everybody basically knows the same thing. If you're not black, don't use it. Period. Period. Like, yeah. Yeah, definitely. But have you guys ever been in a situation where you've heard that and you've just been like, just like in passing, like if a friend said it, I, I'm really curious. Uh, uh, oh, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> we keep doing those. No, um, yeah. And, and it's, I hear it when people are rapping along to a song or, mm-hmm. or just like, I don't know, they want to see like, and, and I, and yeah, the, they want to seem like cool or whatever. I don't know, whatever their reasoning may be. I've heard it. And, and I heard it a lot in South Africa too, growing up. And, and the thing is like, I acknowledge in my past, like that I haven't, you know, like I wasn't educated on certain things. And like, I, I have in the past, like heard friends say it and like, I didn't like, I didn't know at the time, like the weight that comes with that word and like the history and stuff. And so I was like, okay. But then it's like, once I have like real, once I've educated myself on that word and I'm just like, you know, I have to make a point to say something if it's, if, you know, if I hear it and it's just, and, you know, some people might be like, eh, it's weird, it's uncomfortable, like, correcting people, especially if it's, like, your good friend. Like, if my really good friend used it, like, you're just like, oh, ah. but you have to bring that up, you know? It's just, you have to, or they won't you stop. Can't, yeah, you, there's no way that we can be better if you're not addressing your issues. You know, if you're just, like, letting things slide, you're not going to grow as a person. Yeah. I, I think, I definitely agree, and I think a major instance where I, I witnessed that was uh, my freshman year of college. I was, I think I was going out to dinner or something with some friends and this song came on and uh, one of my white friends said the word to the song and my friend who was sitting front seat in the car, she's black and she turned off the radio and she turned around and she said, listen, she's like, I know you may have black friends who said, you can say it. I know you may have always sung along to the song that way as long as we're going to be in the same school and going to the same place and working together, you aren't going to say that not in front of me, not in front of any other black person, because you should respect me. You should respect other people that way. And she said, she's like, I'm doing you a courtesy by being nice to you about this. Cause there's a lot of people who wouldn't be. And she mm-hmm. said, you can say neighbor. You can just not say anything. You can do whatever. Just mm-hmm. don't do that. And that was just such a powerful thing. Because I had honestly thought, it, it, in my mind, I was like, I've heard some people say, well, my friend gave me a first or whatever. And it was just yeah. one of those things you glazed over. Mm-hmm. You glazed over it. 
And it was in that moment I realized I was like, there's, there really is a weight to it, whether it be because of reclamatory terms, whether it be because it does have such a hurtful thing and root to some people. It, I, it was just one of those instances I'll never forget. And then also not just, it goes beyond, you know, your white passing or your, your non-black friends when they try and use it and they say, well, I'm oppressed too. Therefore I can say it. I Mm. had someone I recently knew in the last few months, same thing, said it in a song and shut off the radio, got into it with them and said, just because, just because you are a Latin American with immigrant parents and that you have been discriminated against doesn't mean that you can use that term or catch-all term. And I, same thing I, as a queer person and a member of the LGBTQ community, I know that sometimes I will use the FAG word as a reclamatory term. Doesn't mean anyone else can say it. And sometimes I've had other gay people say, yeah, I don't appreciate it. Mm-hmm. I don't want to hear it. Right. And that's just a thing. But you have to understand where those boundary lines, those invisible boundary lines lie mm-hmm. and where the root of those words and how they were used. Yeah. Know your boundaries. Know your boundaries. I, I like what you said about being in a, also being in an oppressed group because there are, you know, lots of different communities and minorities that are like oppressed. And sure, but like the oppressions are different. You know what I mean? It's a different experience and things like that. Like, you know, just because I am part of the LGBTQ community or like because I'm an immigrant sure I have my struggles and my things my battles but it is not the same as the battles of someone who's a part of like the black community or you know things like that and so it's just it's knowing you know and being respectful because it's it's not yeah like you said not one person is the the end all for the entire group and Mm -hmm. it's knowing you know and being respectful like if someone calls you out and says I don't feel comfortable with that don't just be like oh it's okay you know it's just one person who's uncomfortable you should take that to heart because you treat everyone as an individual not like as a group right well and the moment you say that well it's okay or this person you are at its very core that is a very mild passive form of gaslighting someone mm-hmm. making them think that their experiences their Didn't feelings work. and their gut reactions to things weren't valid valid and the thing is in our own communities we all have different experiences you know what i mean like you can't yeah. say oh that, but you don't know my experience with that word what if i was called that word yesterday mm-hmm. like you know what i mean so it's the fact that you have to be respectful of others. Yeah. And at this point, I'm not just talking about the black community, I'm talking about every right. community, you know? And that's also where being an ally stands. And and I get so like, just my mind gets boggled because when people choose which allies they wanna align with, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? It's not- They're not inclusive. Not, no, and I'm just like, but how can you be an ally to them? this group of people, but not being an ally over here. Exactly. And even being a part of a specific group and not 
being an ally to another. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's one of those things where you see racism in the queer community and you see homophobia in, the, in people of colors or um, xenophobia in like, you know, like another minority group. It's just the fact that it's, it's strange because it's like you experience hardships and oppression yourself. Like how, how are you to say I'm better that I deserve rights, but you don't, you know what I mean? Yes. Oh, I, I, intersectionality mm-hmm. is, and that's another big, and we've been here before. It was a big thing in the 60s <laughs> yes. and it is a big thing again now. Intersectionality yes. within different, within different oppressed groups and different people groups. I, one of the big things I've said before is if, you know, if your feminism, if your, if your anti-racism isn't intersectional, then it isn't. Period. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It, you have to be inclusive otherwise you can't yeah like Jody said you can't pick and choose who you want to support like specific people like even within like the um the black community like you can't be you can't be supportive to you know your friend or or someone you deem as educated like your co- like someone who goes to college and be like and then make that separate or that divide for you know maybe um uh black people with disabilities or in certain areas or neighborhoods or with certain cultural backgrounds, you know, it's, or, or a transgender black person, you, yeah, it's because then you become divisive and not inclusive. And it's sort of, you can't pick and choose what group of people within certain communities that you want to support. You support the whole, you support it. You support everyone. (laughs) I actually want to talk about that real quick because I, heard a woman at work right she was talking about and she was just talking to her husband and I'm listening and I'm always listening but she was basically talking about the difference between Breonna Taylor and George Floyd and why she supports Breonna Taylor and not George Floyd mm. and the only reason was is because she was an EMT and she was a working citizen and working woman and everything she said about George Floyd was just dumb and stupid and mm-hmm. honestly just everything the media portrayed as being bad not a good father mm-hmm. didn't say that you know I was like but what about his good things you know he was working yeah. you know what I mean like so that's what You're- I mean when you pick and choose right like Alex yeah. said when you're like oh I support this black person but I don't support- oh that that person mm. right you can't do that like you're- if you want to be an ally for the black community you got to ride with the whole black community mm-hmm. period Exactly. Like, every community has, you know, people that aren't upstanding citizens. We all know this. Yeah. But, you know, it's, but it doesn't it's not just about less. that person. It's about yeah. being equal and yeah. wanting to be included in our rights, you know? It's, yeah. It's kind of like saying this person's life and rights have more value than this person's because of their experiences and their or background past, and yes. things and past or, or just certain ide- parts of their identity. It's just, yeah, it's a divisive, you know, thing. And it's just, yeah, like you, you do. It's yeah. Like it's not an inclusive thing. Yeah. And also I'm going to say it, Brianna Taylor, you guys should still support and go out and email donate mm-hmm keep fighting the good fight because all of our killers are still out there all the police yes. and yes. they shouldn't be okay? yeah I'm waiting for that checklist to have all the checks everybody's seen that yes we've seen now. it mm-hmm. i'm waiting for that day and i'm posting it's gonna be just mm-hmm. the lore. but yes yeah, yeah. so just 
I feel like social media has become, I'm going to post today about it, you know, instead of I'm going to keep the good fight going and you're yeah. going to stop me. Yeah. Or, or it's keep, like, oh, sorry. No, keep going. Oh, or it's like, um, let me share this one post. That's enough activism for the day. And then let me go back to my regular thing. It's sort of like, yes. you know, you feel like you have a quota to meet to show people that you're still support. That's another performative thing yes. is be- because then it's like, you know, or just like sharing and then not signing a petition or something. Yes. Or like, yeah, it's just going. You, and it's not even to show off to people. You don't need to prove to you know people that you're an ally you need to you are an ally because that's that's you know you your integrity and your moral standing when you're the like you said earlier when you're like the only or there isn't you know another black person in the room you're still an ally it it still stands you're not showing off for them you're not trying to prove to them that you're an ally because mm-hmm. and and also realizing that for every for every other for every other white person and white passing person and non-black person that you share an infograph on or a different idea on or a different take or a different social media post from I received a message from one of my black friends today who says like I was talking about with coming leading up to this and she said I learned so much from what you share and you learn because things aren't taught that way in US history we're still dealing with social social study curriculums from 1992 and even earlier that haven't been adjusted in school systems. So you have to remind yourself that it's like, as much as I'm learning, I can be reaching everyone. Mm-hmm. And that's what I also want the black community to know. Like you can't say um, to everybody else, go educate yourself without educating you first. You know what I mean? Like you have to take the initiative. If you want change, you also have to educate yourself and keep educating yourself because you're right. Alden, like things aren't shown in history class. They're shown selective things that you, that they want you to know and they skip everything else. Like everybody's like everybody, like culture, you know, where everybody comes from. It's kind of like, if you're diverse in this, in this place, you, you have to, you know, kind of do your own history class for yourself even if you are an asian american black american native american like you have to do your own research and that's ridiculous absolutely and it you know i've had i've had friends who've been willing to write their experiences out and share about like things they didn't learn about from schools and even i mean we just recently we had juneteenth in the last month Mm-hmm. And I didn't know what that was up until about a year ago. And Same. I knew some black friends who didn't even know what it was up until a few years ago recently because it wasn't taught about. So it's it's knowing that your what you share, what you read, it may seem gratuitous and annoying to some people or like you're showing off. But if you know in your heart that you're learning and that other people are going to watch you and learn, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter how many followers you have, you're going to reach someone. And it's going to make an impact because they took the time. Yes. I get also when you said followers, when celebrities. Turn my light on. Sorry. (laughs) When celebrities (laughs) post and they're like in bikinis or like showing abs and then like their description is like black lives matter. Mm -hmm. I'm like, um, some people don't even read the post, bro. Like 
So people skip over that and they just look at your photo and they like, and they're, they're not even liking for the like right reasons. Yeah. And it's also, yes, if you have, it's not even appropriate. No, it's not. Because, because, you know, that caption has nothing to do with your, your thirst trap, your selfie, whatever. Um, If you're going to make a post, an informational post, then say like, you know, I've seen a lot of like people posting selfies and it's like, there still is injustice for Breonna Taylor, blah, blah, or, and hashtag Breonna Taylor bottom. Use her photo, you know, why like She's make it relevant. Woman. Yes. Okay. And just, just, it's just knowing like just that it doesn't relate. There's no correlation to post your selfie. There's cognitive dissonance. There, there's no connection and therefore people won't process it that way Mm -hmm. they'll look at the photo and be like this is my friend they posted a great selfie i'm gonna like it they're not gonna read it and if they do read it they're gonna be like wow that was weird or like wow yes they're like okay right and and even at a more sinister degree to this if you know people there are some people out there who do shady shady things celebrities included and like some people you know that they will use that as a scapegoat to scapegoat to divert from some shady things that they have been doing or taking the blame for things that were happening before everyone turned their eyes to this yes and that comes from consumer power just really when you have to think about it and you see people making those posts you as a consumer you can hold even huge companies and brands accountable by knowing how you spend your money how you consume their content how you know did they actually resources? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I yeah. like that because, you know, a lot of companies will do this. And this is just like with every type of like activism that they try to do. They're like, you know, like for Pride Month, certain companies will post their rainbow on everything. Or like, you know, they'll make like a Juneteenth post or something that's like we support whatever. And then they will donate to like, or... You, you know, like, or just ha- their, where they use their money goes to the complete opposite thing. They don't yeah. actually support, they're not donating to Black Lives Matter organizations. They're not donating to like, whatever, you know, or they're donating to anti things. Um, and it's just, so it's just researching where you're buying your product and where your money is going. Because at the end of the day, we live in such a capitalistic society that money is so powerful and, um, and, and like, you know, your dollar or your spent, whatever you spend your money on really has power and it can go a long way supporting black owned businesses, supporting companies that are genuine allies, you know, yes. so it just like, and, and that goes again to just looking it up. It, and it totally, it's that, it's that easy. And it's, it's things we already do that we just have to ask the question, oh, is there a small black-owned business that does the same thing that I'm already yeah. looking for? For instance, I had I had two friends of mine who just got engaged and I really wanted to send them something to congratulate them. So I was like, oh, I have, you know, there's a larger company that I'll usually send like pizza cupcakes from. And I, I like, I love them. And then I had to think, I was like, no way. I'm like, I bet there is a black-owned bakery that does the same thing. And sure, mm-hmm. it took me, a little bit longer sorting through Google and like a couple different resources. But I found a female black owned vegan bakery that ships internationally. Uh, And so that's why I was like, oh yeah, it took some effort 
but that again at the root of all this it does take some effort to go yeah. google things and when you really put it in perspective that's not that hard yes. yeah i found a i found a search engine literally yesterday on instagram and i'll have to look it up real quickly but it's sort of um you it's kind of like google you literally just type in what product you want and yes. it directs you to and it gives you a list of black owned businesses where you can get that product i know exactly what you're talking about it's nile i think but i don't know if that's it is their actual it's n-i-l-e mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. probably look it up on google um their their handle though for instagram is the nihilist if anybody wants to go yeah yeah and so so that way you can be like oh, I've been meaning to get a new pair of socks. I don't know. And then you can just be like, oh, let me, instead of going to Target, I can get it from, you know, this local business. So it's just, it's just small things that you can do where you can adjust your behavior because we're all creatures of habit. You know, it's so easy to just be like, I know where to get certain things. So I'm going to go there. But just like minor changes where you can like, where it's not necessarily like, such a huge thing that's going to inconvenience you but it's 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 helping the movement and it's doing so much for um so many people and you don't it yeah you... i i completely agree with both of you you know knowing where your dollar goes and who it benefits is huge right because being an ally you have to know your dollar goes so it doesn't hurt the people you're trying to out yeah oh, I want to bring one more thing up about the money thing. Mm -hmm. So on social media, there's been a couple lists that have been circulating of certain companies, fast food chains, restaurants, businesses that donate to anti-Black organizations or uh, efforts. And um, so it's been like shown and it's a lot of things that people, that are very popular that people support on the daily. And um, when I see people who have learned about it and they're like, oh, but their food is so good, like Chick-fil-A. And um, they're like, um, they're like, oh, it's okay. They apologize or something, whatever it may be, they still are donating to um, organizations and efforts that are gonna hurt that community. Why spend your money on something just because you like the taste of their chicken or whatever? You know, right. find an alternative that is, you know, better for what you're, yeah, the movement and things like that. It's just, I, it's so lazy and it's so easy for people to just dismiss that. And I think that's an important thing because money is powerful. So powerful. And mm-hmm. sometimes people don't realize how powerful it is. Mm-hmm. But I love these lists because they really are calling I do too. People. No, it's, it's so eye-opening because I feel like I also didn't know you know, like I have spent money at some of these like companies and that's in the past. I can't do anything about that. But now I'm just like, my eyes are open. Now I can find alternatives and I can, you know, find, yeah, alternatives. (laughs) Honestly, I just love how many black businesses are coming forward. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, I just want to buy from all of them. I know. And some that are surprised about like, this one um, little market slash like uh, diner air thing that was down the street from where I used to live. Like, I love, I love them. And, and it's so cool to find out, like, I'm like, wow, they're black owned too. So like, I've been supporting and it, it just feels so good in my soul, you know? <laughs> I know I've looked at all these black businesses and I've been like, 
oh, I can get Band-Aids in my shade? <laughs> like, what? I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't know I should get Band-Aids in my shade. Like, mm-hmm. hello? And some people might think that the bandages come in my shade, but no, I- I'm light, but not that light. Okay. <laughs> right. But how do we not burn out, Alex? That's the thing. Okay, so it's this whole, just being an activist or an ally or whatever, is a relay race. And this is something that I've seen on social media. I love that that uh, analogy because it we're all like in our different lanes. We're all heading towards one goal. You know, you do what you can. And then when you're tired, you pass the, the stick or whatever torch to the next person. You rest, you recharge, and then you keep going because at the end of the day, we're all heading towards, you know, the same goal because if you burn out then you're not you take care of yourself really you know you have to and and it's 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 very draining um for you know the black community and and it can be draining for allies or just you know like it's a different muscle i guess if you haven't done it before but yeah so it's just it's it's knowing what you did it's knowing your lane what you can do to help doing it the best you can chill and repeat. <laughs> yes. You know, I, I found that sometimes you just have to just one day, just take your time, you know, just go silent and not mm-hmm. silent in the term of like, you're still not learning silent, Yeah, but like silent from maybe just watching the video. Yeah. Right. Just because sometimes it can be um, tiring, you know, at times seeing a lot of also the, the harder subjects to look at like the you know police brutality and Mm -hmm. after so many times I don't want to speak for the whole black community but me personally if I see so many videos of my people getting hurt it literally makes me just want to go in a ball and cry Mm -hmm. I you know what I mean there's so many times where I've been like you know what the phone just needs to go away for a minute because honestly in the black community and also being an ally, your mental health comes first. Okay. Mm-hmm. I want everyone to know that your mental health and your well being and your state comes first. You cannot fight the good fight if you are not in yeah. the right mind or Tip state. Top shape. Mm-hmm. Yes. And just, I don't know, just take care of yourself. Yeah. You come back when you can, exactly. but still be there. Like if somebody still says, be there. check them. Mm-hmm. But we're actually getting to time, guys. But um, I just want to have the last thing be, what do you want everyone to take away from this that we've talked about so far? Okay. Um, yeah, no, I'll, I'll stop. Um, I think my overall takeaway or what I want, yeah, I don't know, my most resonating thing is it's just, it's, it's acknowledging your privilege if you have privilege and using it. Uh, um, it's and and knowing what you can do with it. You don't have to do everything, but it's just what you the changes that you can achieve in your circle start with you and then your surroundings and just go from there. Mm-hmm. And Alden, uh, yeah, I think kind of in the same idea, same realm is know that this work, the anti-racist work, isn't fun. It's not merit-based. 
but it is towards something that is so overwhelmingly powerful. And it really matters the most when there are no black people in the room that you are unprovoked and you have that integrity within yourself to speak up when they aren't around and make those changes, call out those microaggressions, those, those false facts, those false opinions, call them out. And when you start to feel like you're wavering or like you don't, you're getting emotional or getting wily because of these things, check in with yourself and go back to the foundation of all of this, your biases, your privilege, your experience, all of that. Because to keep building this house, you are going to have to just keep checking on the foundation of it all and realize who is at the central of this narrative. What is my lane? What am I doing? Am I intact with that? Great. Then I can keep doing the work. Yes. The things I want everyone to take away with, don't be afraid to be wrong. Um, Black people are not required to educate you. Go and educate yourself if you can get to any form of information. Um, get uncomfortable, have tough conversations, you know, use your privilege because you can get into places where we can't and use your platform to amplify black voices. Like we said, support black businesses, um, donate. Like I said, that doesn't always mean your money, but donate your time. Um, or just or things you are already giving money to see if they're, they're yeah. giving. Um, I mean, just a plug now, one of my favorite podcasts um, raised a lot of money for a charity that I stand with called Black Girls Code, which brings oh, Black Girls Code. Um, it brings uh, Black females from four to seventeen and educates them on computer programming and a lot of the necessary resources and how to do it that would put them up for higher, higher required jobs in the STEM field and give them the necessary resources they need. Yes. So that's, that, that's and, thing. look into organizations. Mm-hmm. You know? And set up recurring donations because sometimes it might be, you know, it's really good to give that one big donation and check it off, but it's like, it's also good to build it up over time. Yes. Yeah. And the last thing, keep learning and educating yourself. And that's never going to stop, you know, and mm -hmm. that's everybody. That's just not allies. That's everybody. But, you know, also know that it's everybody versus racist, not the whole black and white debate, you know? Mm -hmm one collective against a fight against racist racism mm -hmm. and i think that's what we all need to do and just learn that love is love like we all say and i hope that you all take away how to be an ally from this episode and thank you so much to both of you for coming on i loved having you guys and good night all right happy to be here <laughs>